Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. And this is Jeff. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And after an incredibly bumpy ride <laughs> trying to get this episode off the ground, <laughs> we are here. We had three false starts, so we lost 15 yards. <laughs> Joke still landed. I said we lost 10 yards the last time because we had just two. Good continuity. I think you lose five yards on a false start. I don't know enough about sports. But I don't I, I sport, think I might so be right. I don't know anything. I filmed my share of football games when I was the video teacher at a couple of schools, so I know if, you know, you, you hear the referees say stuff. <laughs> Anyways, forget that, because we're here for one reason only, and that's Star Wars. Yes. It is Star Wars month. We are dead in the middle of it. And... This is a really big undertaking, much bigger than I think we we realized it would be <laughs> when we said, "Hey, let's do the Throne trilogy." Right. <laughs> because, you know, Shadows of the Empire was really a short story. Yeah, it was quick. Nice and compact, right? And we enjoyed it. And I think Jeff you had mentioned just just a bit, you know, kind of leaving Shadows of the Empire on the way out of it, getting out of it before we enter into the Throne trilogy. You talked about it being more of a a Star Wars comedy. Well, it was. I mean, it's a compared to this, it it it's like a one act play. You know, I mean, it, it's like yeah, it, it, it had a lot of funny moments. It was incredibly lighthearted. It was just kind of a you know, this is what the characters have been up to in between Empire and Return of the Jedi. But this is a whole other monster, right? Oh yeah. It absolutely is. Very different. I think you nailed it when you said that Shadows of the Empire was like a a one-act play type thing. And and we thought it was good, all in all. Uh, And moving forward into something that I've really been excited to talk about. I mean, we talked about this a year ago. We said, hey, next Star Wars, let's do Expanded Universe. So this is... That's right. We did talk about it a year ago. This is, you know, this has been one year in the making, which, you know, quite a while. That we had to wait. And all this time, we could have been reading these books. <laughs> but we didn't do that, did we? But we didn't do <laughs> that. We should have been. <laughs> we crunched, just like we always do. <laughs> yeah. But, so, this week is Heir to the Empire. All right? Heir to the Empire was published May 1st, 1991, and it is the first of a trilogy known, historically in the Star Wars universe, as the Thrawn Trilogy. Yes. And that's named after the character that Timothy Zahn blessed us with uh, and blessed the Star Wars universe with, and that's Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yes. And we're going to talk a lot about him today. Uh, I think we're probably going to spend more time talking about him than anyone else. (laughs) Uh, And this story takes place five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. There really wasn't, you know, I couldn't find a whole lot of, of course I didn't really spend, you know, look, we all have jobs, guys. I mean, (laughs) you know, I, I wish that this is all we did for a living and oh, yeah. I could just spend all week researching and figuring out the backstory. But I, I didn't look up a whole lot of backstory on the, the development of the novel other than just, you know, Timothy Zahn wrote these novels and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal he's a great, writer. great writer. And to tack on to what Jeff said, whereas Shadows is like this uh, one-act play that's very lighthearted has its serious moments, but all in all, it's fairly lighthearted. This is incredibly serious. And I remember, you know, Jeff, you got through this before we did. Yeah. And one of the things you told me was, hey, 
not really funny. Not a lot of funny, jokey stuff. Yeah. You know, and did you think that fit? I mean, did you think it could have been a little more comedy there? Or? I, I, I think um, considering the um, the content of the book, I mean, and, and just what everything, the whole mood of the book, I, I don't think there there could have been a lot of room for comedy in this one. And, you know, I mean, I mean there's there's always that, like, um, you, you got Han Solo and his quick-witted humors there and stuff. So y- you get a little bit of that. A little bit. If you know the character, you, you can kind of like, ah, you know, oh, Han, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But no, there's no like laugh out loud moments like there was in Shadows. And it, and it almost kind of makes Shadows look a little bit like um, like a joke. No, <laughs> I mean, it does. I mean, yeah. I, loved, I, I loved it, but it was still like, it has nothing on this book at all. Like this is this is where you get into the real real stuff. Yeah, and also in reference to something Jeff said, you know that that this this story this is the first of a trilogy. There is Heir to the Empire, there is Dark Force Rising, and there's the Last Command. So this is just the first of three, and these are these are big stories and. This guy, you know, Timothy Zahn, I mean, just, I mean, this is a massive undertaking he did. I mean, this is an incredible body of work he did. I agree with what you said there. And we're going to get started, but before we do, I just want to say we are going to, we decided that we're going to make it, we're we're not going to go through the entire book, because I think that would do the story a disservice. Um, So we decided that we're going to do the first 11 chapters today. Right. And then next week we're going to come back and and we're going to wrap it up, and that will be the, I believe that's the that'll last. be the conclusion of Star Wars. Month. I believe that's the conclusion mm-hmm. of Star Wars. Yep. Month. Wow, yeah. So and not to say that we're not going to go back and do Dark Force Rising or The Last Command, but I I, I like that we're going to save that, you know. And, yeah, and have we we to know what we to. can do next year. And I want to say something too, you know, Jeff. In 1991, I was 11. You were like 11 or 12, and you're a little older than me. Do you remember when these came out? Because the thing about it is, this is eight years before the prequels. This is eight years before episode one. So, in 1991, for us, like, you know, for us Star Wars kids, me and Jeff, in our minds, Star Wars was a thing of the past. I mean, right? I mean, it was like, oh, those are great movies, but, you know, Jedi was in 83, 84, and, you know, it was great, and we love it, and we go back and we watch them, and they always come on every Christmas. But that's that, Right? Right. Yeah, I mean, basically, like I, I, I think in '91, I was, I mean, I've always been a Star Wars fan ever since I was three years old, you know. But that's a that 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 would that that would have been the time where, yeah, you know, Star Wars was kind of almost like forgotten, not quite, but like there's other stuff we're into Ninja Turtles and GI Joes and X Men and yeah, Nickelodeon whatever. was in its but, heyday, like. What's that? Yeah, Nickelodeon was in its heyday. I mean, in '91, I was yeah, I was like, Nickelodeon every yeah. day. We were we were very much you know wrapped up in being kids, and Star Wars were were just three movies that we liked. I had no idea probably at that time that there was even novels written about it. You know, um, so and and and, <laughs> and I feel kind of like you know I I I've been told by my friends over the years who are big Star Wars fans that. I should read the books. I should read the books. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I should. I totally should. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I consider myself a Star Wars fan. I should totally read the books. I get that. 
and um, I, and and after you know, I didn't read, I listened to it from uh, on Audible, narrated by Mark Thompson. Which, by the way, that guy, he is a phenomenal voice actor. Love. If you were, if I, you could, I can't stop talking about him. Do this book. Was that? Bro? I can't stop talking about it. Every time a new voice comes, I'm like, Toby, did you hear that? Ah, it's so good. And I meant I meant to do a little more research and find out what else he does. I know he does some other stuff. He does a little bit of voices in certain shows and stuff. He is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, his his you know Yoda is spot on. His Admiral Akbar <laughs> is is crazy good. His his Grand Admiral Thrawn. Ugh. He he makes the character. Yeah, for me, it's one hundred percent. He brings good. that character to life. His Luke is right, his Luke is fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. You know? I, I, the only thing that I have to mention, and and it's amazing that Brooke didn't pick this up, is that um, I'm we're we're listening to the audible, and Brooke goes, "Okay, you know uh, Han's coming up in this next chapter," and I'm oh, like, God. "I'm kind of like, okay, where where's everybody coming in?" You know, because I had I had listened ahead, so I knew it was coming, and I was so I was kind of anticipating Toby's response. I think his delivery of Han's lines is spot on, but he sounds more like Patrick Warburton than he does Harrison Ford. Now, Patrick Warburton is Kronk. is Kronk <laughs> from the Emperor's from the Emperor's New Groove, yeah, uh, or or Joe from Family Guy. Yes, yes. Uh, he's also mo- more recently Lemony Snicket uh, in we, the recent uh, series of Fortunate Events. So he's and, a, an iconic voice. Yes, he's well loved in our house. We are huge Patrick Warburton fans. He's yes. a fantastic actor. But <laughs> but it's not who you know. It's that's not where you want to point your arrow. And I think he sounds just like Patrick Warburton. And you ruined it. For okay, me. so like, and, and I mentioned that to you. But as you as you continue listening to the book, I think he gets a little bit better, and he he kind of irons it out. I mean, th- th- there are some lines that he gives with um, with Han that I'm I'm like, oh my god, that's so Han because it's the way he delivers. Yeah, it. He yes. sounds his delivery is spotless. That's why yeah. I said his delivery is perfect. Um, and his I, inflections do sound like a Patrick Warburton from time to time. But my favorite voice he does is definitely Thrawn's. Ugh. And he sounds just like Luke, too, though. I mean, it, it, He sounds like 3PO. He sounds yeah, like all he of them. He sounds like all of them. He, he is phenomenal. I, I 100% agree. And, and like I said, I agree with his, his delivery of Han's lines. Mm-hmm. And even like Jeff said, and this isn't just like some book that, yes, of course, it's a Star Wars book, and it, it's a new story, so it's going to rely and pull from things from the past. It should do that anyway. A story right. should do that. But I, like Jeff said, the things that they say, like the things that Leia says and Luke says and Han says, Ben Kenobi moments, some Obi-Wan moments, very briefly. And, and he sounds like Alec Guinness. Yeah. He sounds just but like Alec Guinness. The things they're saying, I'm like, that's exactly some stuff that yes. they would say. He's really tapped into each character. He seems to have such an intimate understanding of the workings of each character that even the lines, I'm like, and, and each character's so different. Right. But he has absolutely tapped into every single one of them. It's really, really incredible. And I also want to say, and yes, we are about to get into the story, <laughs> but technically we have started. This is the groundwork. Well, you it's know. important. Absolutely. <laughs> but this is not... We at the Tape Store are serious Star Wars fans, and we absolutely respect the um, the story, the canon stories. Mm-hmm. So this is not going to be... So you can sit back and relax and strap yourself in. 
for a, a, a discussion about Heir to the Empire, and we will not be making comparisons to the new trilogy. Right. Because we, we like that for what it is. We respect that for what it is. This isn't going to be like, oh... You know, oh, well, we don't bash stuff anyway. On the no, well, story, yeah, well, so. I mean, sometimes we do. <laughs> in good jest, and we bash things that are we always fun. Do, we always do in good jest. But we don't. No, we just don't just destroy a work. We don't just rip things to shred. No, no. we try to find the good out of everything. But no, 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 but we enjoyed the new Star Wars. Yeah, trilogy. yeah, there were, there were some awesome things in there. Yeah, I'm just saying that this isn't going to be a a comparison to that, right? Because that would take away from what this is. But I think this is this incredible, is though. This is still gold, mm-hmm. you know? All right. So I want to talk about, just to give some setting, this is where things are. Five years after Return of the Jedi, the Empire is significantly weakened, not completely destroyed, though, and that makes sense. Right. That makes sense, mm-hmm. right? I oh, mean, yeah. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you think, oh, it's all over. Emperor's gone. Vader's gone. Starters- the threat is eliminated. Yeah. The second Death Star's going oh, up. They had, they had Star Destroyers all over the place. Right. Yeah. It's an empire. Are, these are massive, destructive ships. Yeah. You know, and so. And the, the Alliance, the death of the Emperor and Darth Vader, which, again, is interesting because only really Luke knows what happened with Vader. Only he really knows that Vader turned good before the end. So right. ev- nobody else has that perspective. And that's always really interesting. And, and I... And I I want to remind everyone of that. That's really important. That, that yeah. everybody else just thinks, oh, Darth Vader died in a battle. Yeah. The losses at the Battle of Endor, which is what it's called, that last battle in Return of the Jedi. It's the Battle of Endor. And, you know, the loss of the second Death Star. And I have to correct myself here because Darth Vader's ship is actually called the Executor. Yeah. It's not the Executor. So I, I, I bashed that. <laughs> I kind of critiqued right. that. I criticized yes. that. With Shadows Mm -hmm. last week. It is called the Executor. Okay, so with the loss of the second Zest Star, with the loss of the Executor, the Empire has not only lost its two greatest leaders, the Emperor and Vader, on the Death Star and on the Executor were the best of the best Imperial officers. They were the most highly trained. They were the most seasoned. And so they're all gone. Yeah. The best of the best has been taken out. And many of these Imperial officers that are still, because the Empire is still active, it's just not as powerful. Right. It's, being, it's, it's, it's been weakened and it's been pushed back to like the fringes of the galaxy, essentially. Gotcha. And, it, and, and, and the people that are serving are young, inexperienced, and quickly trained. Right, yeah. It's, and, it's and, a rush job. And all of this is being told from the mind and from the perspective of an Imperial captain, Captain Pelion, Gilad Pelion. Mm-hmm. I think I'm saying his name correctly, Pelion. He is the first person we meet in the story. And this right here, I think, is such a great start because most people would probably think, we're going to begin this new Star Wars story with Luke. Right, He's going to be right. training. Yeah. And, and he's going to be, no, the, he starts this story kind of through the back door. Yeah, it's Through great. the eyes of this a seasoned Imperial captain who witnessed the destruction of the second Death Star, witnessed the destruction of the Executor, and is upset and frustrated and in dire straits over yeah. the, the current state of the Empire. Pushed to the fringes, the best of the best gone, a bunch of inexperienced newbies yeah. 
trying to hold the thing together while the alliance now called the new republic mm-hmm. is growing in prestige right. and power I, I just you know wanted to get you guys take on that because th- th- this is all great setup we get this from Pelion he uses Timothy Zahn uses Pelion as as to give us context and it's great and it's important too because of what Pelion and who he's about to go meet right right I like how he he made reference several times to how inexperienced and young the crew was that these were not seasoned people. This is not what he's used to. I mean, basically, like some, I think some like lieutenant, little like or, or like some officer, came up to him, talking to him, like, and he just he was just he had just such disdain for him just because he was like a, a young kid. He lost it on him because he was like, "Oh my god, like you don't approach me like this, right? Like, if you." If you would have lived what I lived, you would know how to freaking approach me. Yeah, basically. he was like super stressed out on the bridge. He goes, "We don't act this way." That's right. He he he. That's right. He he was giving some kind of information, and instead of going right up to Pelion, he said it so everyone could hear it, and that ticked him right off. He was like, "No, that's not how we do things." Right. He did serve under Vader, and. I know Darth Vader wouldn't abide mm-hmm. that kind. Can you imagine some guy <laughs> freaking out on the bridge with Darth Vader standing there? He's like, are you kidding me? Yes, I can't imagine. He'd be dead. He would throw <laughs> that guy out. Just start, just, yeah, he would just start force choking him. Like, just, <laughs> just break his neck. Just just like, just like right there. Like, <laughs> neck broke. Because right. I'm imagining like Darth Vader standing there with, in his usual arms crossed stance yeah. watching the space battle. Things are getting a little hairy. And a guy starts stressing out. I mean, I don't even think Darth Vader would even like deign to look in the direction of a person nope. flipping out. <laughs> just, nope. just looks over like, you serious, dude? <laughs> just just, just neck broke and then like throw him out of torpedo yeah, shoot. Bring in another one. <laughs> bring in another one. Well, and the thing that I liked about this scene and especially hearing the perspective of Pelion was we're getting this and it's like you said, we did, we're not starting with Luke. We're not starting with who we think we're going to start with. Which is great. Which is great because it paints a picture of the world that Luke, who we know we're going to meet, is living in. There is this, yes. it's a war-torn, you know, there there is still a faction. There is still yes. a good, sizable community that is, you know, for the Empire. And no, they are not in power, but the fact that they are still intact should, yes. should remind us, you know, the reader, like, oh, the threat's never been gone that's reality right right and it's it, it does it does add a, a sense of reality to the star wars universe because you know, like you said as kids we're like it's good and evil and we win or we lose and we won so everything's fine but this reminds us even if you win not everything's fine you still have to be vigilant and you know even the most vigilant you're gonna miss it and these here we are with these this you know fairly organized group of you know empire folks that are a problem Right. Now, moving forward a little bit, we don't get very far. I mean, it doesn't take long before we're really introduced to... The crown jewel. The crown jewel (laughs) of this story. Yes. Pelion is on his way to see Grand Admiral Thrawn. And the way he is... is, I'm not even going to try to describe the way Timothy Zahn introduces him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too good. Right? Uh, he he is what is called a chiss c h i s s that is his race chiss and i don't even know where to begin with him 
to be honest with you. Right. Does anybody want to start? Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, sorry. Well, like, you know, throughout the book, I don't know how many times this book makes reference to his eyes. Yes. Jeff, why don't you just, just describe him, like his physical appearance? So he's, you know, blue skin. Uh, black, you know, very, you know, mil- I would say military style hair, but his eyes are the thing that like everybody fixates on. They're they're described as haunting, um, just, I mean, just almost terrifying. I mean, that's like the thing when someone sees him for the first time, they almost always make mention of his eyes, you know. And um, oh, they're red. I don't know about you guys. That's right. They're, I, they're red. red. Red, ominous haunting, terrifying-looking red eyes. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I and, think there's some um, bioluminescence because ugh. they glow. So Creepy. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. And he yeah, wears and, the, um, the, I, the, the white Grand Admiral uniform, yeah. which, I, you know, just to tag along to what you're saying, he's the only non-human right. to mm-hmm. hold this rank. And that yep. is a, a really deep detail there. Yes. about And it tells and, you and something it, about the Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it's it, and it's referenced somewhere, I think I think in the first chapter that if he had been commanding the fleet the entire time, the empire would not have lost. Wow! I was literally gonna like, I was gonna bring that up, so I'm glad you did because that stood out to me. I was like, "Ooh, so this guy is really bad news bears, and he's not even operating it, under the force. He's just ta- uh, yeah, being himself, and he's a terror." <laughs> So I can't imagine if he was force sensitive, it'd be that'd be it for everyone. Yeah. And Pelion walks in and, and sees to his thr- sanctum, as and, it's yeah, described. It's like his sanctum, and he's surrounded. Thrawn is he's sitting in the center, and he's surrounded by holographic images of art. Very interesting. And again, in a fast-paced movie, you would think, you know, or you know, movies move. In a much quicker pace of course. than a book. You think Guy walks in, Captain Pelion walks in, Grand Admiral Thrawn's going to start barking orders at him or give him something to do, tell him about some mission. No. Thrawn starts to engage him, and he's incredibly hypnotic. And The thing is that's amazing about Thrawn is you like him. You're, like, attracted to him. Like, you know he's bad. Oh, yeah. But you like him. Right, Jeff? I mean... You know, you're- oh yeah, dude. I, I I got Hannibal Lecter vibes right away. Like it, it's one of those things. Like you know, this guy is incredibly intelligent. He's evil as all heck, but you like him <laughs> despite all that. And and he's surrounded now. The art is important, right? Why is the art so mm-hmm. important? He's surrounded by holographic images of art. He's obsessed with art, mm-hmm. and he explains why. Well, I was going to say, like, he, he said, you know, like, do, you know, he asked Pelion, first, well, I think one of the first things he asked him is, do you, do you, do you like art? And he's like, I, I've never had an opportunity to, you know, really get into it, you know, because he's been, I guess, you know, he's a, he's a dedicated officer. And he basically says, well, if you understand your enemy's art, then you can understand your enemy, basically, right? Yeah. Yes. That's what makes him a tactical genius. Yes. And we see that. Because moments after he has this conversation with Pelion, and I love he tells that one of the things that he tells a lot of people to do in th- the, at least even through the first even through this first eleven chapters, 
he tells people to watch and learn. They are intercepting a New Republic task force, like a detachment of ships Mm -hmm. that are Republic. You get, again, Captain Pellion's perspective and how he's like at first like, what the heck is this guy doing? And, and, And Thrawn basically turns to him and says, you know, and is explaining like... I under you know I know what people are on this ship. I understand their culture, and because of that, I know exactly what to use on them. Yeah. And he quickly defeats a New Republic task force, just obliterates them. Yeah, it's bad. It, it, it's it's a very unorthodox technique. It, it's almost like he 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 made them think that he was doing. I can't remember the term he used. Like a you textbook know, thing. Yeah, like a very textbook saying to almost lure them to do what they are, you know, programmed to do, like what they're trained to do, and then he completely outsmarts them and obliter and obliterates them. Like, ugh, it's crazy. And I, I'm, I just want to say, you know, because obviously, I, I think all three of us can agree. If Thrawn is in a scene, he owns it. Absolutely, he owns the scene. I, I can't tell you how many times in this book, like. Things don't go his way. And it's like every time Pillion's like looks at Grand Admiral <laughs> waiting for an outburst and then but it never happens. He's like, right. It's oh, true. You know? That's he, even scarier. He keeps his cool yeah, it makes him more formidable. It is so much scarier. Because his his restraint, like he has control. It was the same thing with Vader. Yeah. You, you remember when when uh when the when the uh <laughs> when uh in Empire you know, it's at the end, and R two fixes the hyperdrive, and it blasts off right as the right as Vader's about to get him, and then you see Ca- uh, Captain Piet, and he's just like, "Oh my god!" And then Vader, and Vader just kind of turns, and then he looks back out the window one more time, and was like, "Did did they go? Yeah, they're gone." <laughs> but it's like, can you imagine how he felt? It's the exact same thing with Darth Vader did. He just left, you know. Yeah. Not that Darth Vader always showed that restraint, but he, but but he most of the time he did. Yeah, he did. You know. The guys he killed, he you know, he, he did like like that one guy, Admiral Ozzel. Oh, a little bit. Uh, we we just come out of hyperspace. <laughs> no, no. Going, Kylo Ren, not so much. Ky- yeah, Kylo, Kylo Ren was, was an like, actual basket case. Shoot him, kill him all. <laughs> yeah, well, he was young, you know, and he was <laughs> full of rage. <laughs> yeah, he's no. I mean, he was definitely yeah, no Darth Vader, you know, and and Mm-mm. um, you know, and Ray called him out on that. You know, you're scared that yeah. you won't be as powerful as Darth Vader, right? And, but, uh, I, I do love that. Like, Lord Vader, I'm just coming out of hyperspace <laughs> and everything's going great. <laughs> Darth Vader just sitting there like, like nope. not having like, it. Yeah. Zero tolerance. That was Admiral Ozzel. And then he killed Captain Nita too for, uh, and Ca- <laughs> Captain Nita thought he, everything was going to go great. This is, the, this is the guy that loses the Falcon. They get oh, away yeah. when they attach themselves. And, uh, uh, to the, um, to the Star Destroyer, they're able to, and he's like, oh, I'll apologize to Lord Vader. Like, <laughs> apology accepted. Like, he just thought, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be proactive here. Oh dear. I'm not gonna act like I didn't do anything. I'm actually gonna say I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> Hard pass. Yeah. So, all right. So, but Thrawn, incredibly cool, incredibly collected, um, and shows a tremendous amount of of emotional control. He's and he's brilliant. Right. And I'm going to say, do you know who I really like in this too? Is Captain Pellion. Yeah. Like I really liked him. I really like him. Well, they they let us kind of follow his thought process and so yeah. you kind of you you're kind of connecting with him in his He's kind of a, a journey. point of view. 
you know, character in a way. Well, yeah, he's our door to this version of the he, universe. He is our window. The, yeah, he is our window to Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, we're viewing Admiral Thrawn right. through Pelion's perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so he's incredible. So he's incredibly important. And 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 it's interesting. What I find interesting as I'm going through this story is that I'm liking these bad guys. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's how yeah. you know, though, that this is a good story. Yeah. So good. Because yeah. we, he, look, Timothy's on. He knows we already love Luke, Leia, Han. Like, that's, we don't have to yeah, even discuss that. So the real work right. is, is in giving us villains that aren't just villains. Absolutely. Villains that are truly just characters that we enjoy and following. that can live up to like a Vader level. Yeah. Yeah. And I... he's not even trying, he's not even trying to do a Vader thing. You know, like sometimes you can tell like when you're reading, you're like, mm, you're doing it. Like, mm. you yeah. know what I mean? Like you're tr- kind of like with, uh, what's his name? He was, uh, who was like kind of like the fake Han. And we were like. Dash Rendor. Yes. Dash Rendor. You're like, you're trying to do a Han thing. And it's not like, yeah. don't make me feel that. Han alternate. This is a whole other separate Character is the Sam's choice of Han Solo, exactly. <laughs> like the the good value version. Yeah, good value. Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> but yeah, poor man's yeah. Han. But no, that none of these are counterfeit. None of these are carbon copies. These are all like unique new characters, and he does so well with them. He does, and as hard as it is, because we're we're gonna get plenty of Grand yeah. Admiral Throng. Yes, um, we're gonna move Let us on. Keep going. So let's find out what our heroes are doing because we then switch over to Coruscant which is formerly the Galactic Empire's you know seat of government yeah, headquarters. headquarters seat of government it's, it's 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 where it all went down and we have Luke who in Luke fashion he's depressed yep and i've always said this about Luke and I, and this is a comparison i am going to make with uh the new trilogy is that Luke was, an, uh, he went into exile, self-imposed yep. exile after everything that went down. And it made sense to me. Yeah. It made sense to me because if you watch the original trilogy, it's exactly how Luke was. He was extreme highs, extreme lows, you know? He is up and down. He is, you know, Leia is the steady one, yep. right? And Luke is depressed. He's troubled. I think he's incredibly burdened. Yeah, you know, I mean, it can't. I, I can't imagine how else you would be. Because even though, even though, the Battle of Endor was a ma- and this is five years. It's been five years. So who knows? In the past five years, obviously he's grown in power, but in maturity. He had to defeat his father. We have to. We, we lose that's sight hard. of that. He's troubled also. I think because he's probably thinking about the the burden that's on him of continuing uh, the legacy of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know, and on top of that. Uh, he's about to get some more troubling bad news. He gets visited by my second favorite character in the Star Wars universe, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who has really been more... I mean, yes, Darth Vader was Luke's father, but Ben has been his dad. Yeah, Ben's the one that fathered him, other you know, than, you know... In the words of Yondu, uncle. in the words of Yondu in <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, he may have been your father boy, but he wasn't your daddy. It's like, <laughs> this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, who, you know, visits him to tell him, basically... Yeah, he you, give, he gives him some really sweet things just about how he feels about him, You know, some final reminders. And 
not saying that your work is over, but he's no. saying that he's saying that that who you're meant to be, you're absolutely walking yeah. in that. Yeah. You're walking in your destiny. He said, there's nothing else I have for you. And he said, oh, gosh, he goes, mm-hmm. I've loved you as a as a son. He says, and this is the last time he says, I yeah. have to go. And Luke's like, no, and Luke's like, no. Yeah. And, and he reminds him, he said, you know, that, you know, you may have beaten the empire, but the dark side is still strong. Yeah, it's still, still there. alive. It's, it, and, the and, the and, threats are not diminished. And if Luke goes down the wrong path, the dark side arguably would be more powerful. Oh, yeah. You know, the dark side is still there. It, that's the thing. And that's an important point you brought up, you know, Jeff, uh, that Brooke brought up is that the death of the emperor in this story and the death of Vader, two incredibly powerful Sith Lords are gone. Right. But the dark side went nowhere. Right. It's, it's just going to f- try to find another way. Right. Right. But Ben tells him, like, I'm going and you're going to and you're going to be OK. That's just I loved that. I loved hearing Ben tell Luke, I loved you like a son. I mean, you no, don't get that I, in the I movies, know. you know, <laughs> It um it meant a lot. I think uh you know it it it, it <sighs> closure. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Is, yeah, is what I w- is what I would say. Um, because we you know in episode you know four when when you know everyone dies, I mean they they didn't have a lot of time together at first when 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 Obi-Wan was like, alive. And most of their interactions probably has been like you know when he was in spirit form. And so, like, that's, it's a big deal. I mean, this is a huge, huge scene. The fact that Obi-Wan's, like, you know, leaving him forever. I mean, this is, yeah, even though, like, you know, he he died in, 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 in physical form. I mean, really, what, it was like a couple of days. They knew each other. <laughs> you yeah. Know, and, and, and Absolutely. So, it's a big deal for Luke. I mean, this is like, he's like, he's dying for real, almost, yeah. or passing on. Yeah. And and I think too, uh, also when when Obi Wan died, it was like this guy knew my dad when he was good. Mm-hmm. He knew my father when he was good, you know. And and I think there was probably so much more he would have loved to have heard from Ben. And what's amazing too, and and also what's equally I think sad is that mm-hmm. we we have the advantage of of seeing the prequels and the Clone Wars. We know what Ben has done. Yeah. And. It's sad that Luke... He never gets to know Never that. gets to know. Mm-hmm. You're right. The kind of man Obi-Wan was, and gosh, the kind of man Anakin was. Like, yeah, yeah. Look, watch the Clone Wars. I love Anakin. It's awesome. In the Clone Wars. He was so good, you know? And and, and But yeah, it, it, this really is sad, you know? And of course, this depression and this sad moment for Luke is interrupted. By none other than 3PO on behalf of his sister, Yay. Princess Leia. She sensed that Luke was sad. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the night. And she sends 3PO to check on him. Now, why did she send 3PO to check on him? Leia actually can't get around very much, right? Leia's got some stuff that she's dealing with. What's that? She's pregnant with right. twins. Yes. Here we go again. Yes, Leia is pregnant with, with twins. And we we can we can go ahead and 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 assume with the Skywalker blood, you know mm-hmm. that that you know we know that Leia's strong in the Force. We know that these kids are likely uh, have quite destined few, to be so. Yeah, Han is off planet right now. Shocker. Yeah. 
and um, and, and he has a nice conversation with three PO, and three PO is three PO in the most wonderful way. You we know, love him. We do. Um, and 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 so this is a very brief kind of moment. I will say this that that I liked that uh, Brooke actually mentioned to me too before I read it. She goes, "This is a really cool scene." You know, she goes because Luke's actually really upset that they're using the same building that the Empire did, and I was like, "That that that's a small detail, but that says it's so pretty big. Though. It makes sense though. Yeah, you know, and that takes me to like one of my favorite parts of this book is seeing our heroes who were fighting and 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 winning battles and 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 now they have to stop all that and they have to build a government and it is not easy no it's not and i like that they, that it's portrayed like it's not necessarily going very smoothly right no i mean luke says right out of the gate he says this is much harder than we thought it would be he doesn't like the symbolism and he goes, and, and, and the fact of the matter is, these people are already really prone to symbolism and, and kind of idolizing it anyway. He's like, I don't like because I mean, Luke's later, being well, Luke's being idolized. He is. We find he is that people want him to they they want they want Luke to travel around with right because they're like, well, they, they want to see the Jedi, yeah, that defeat you know. So he's exactly. Like, so there's there's all this pressure, and we hear Leia's side of it very shortly. You know, in this next scene. Um, but they're they're founding a new government in the wake of intense tyranny. Yeah, um, it's like a fascist government. And like you know, how, like. and I can't imagine. I mean, how do you how do you safeguard against tyranny without yourself becoming tyrannical? Because that's that, to me that's the the biggest thing. That's that was, must be what be going what is going through Leia's head. Like, how, okay, right. so these were tyrants, but now in the wake of that, how do I prevent? tyranny mm-hmm. without saying you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this because right. ultimately that's kind of what you want to do so it's it's overwhelming i can't imagine right. uh, of course luke is depressed like wh- whoever says that luke doesn't have highs and lows doesn't know him yeah and, and this guy understood this this you know timothy's on understood oh, he luke's character it. because we when we open up on on luke he's depressed and when we open and, and, and when we open up on leia She's in control, intuitive, and she's proactive. Yeah. And that's always been her, mm-hmm. you know? Love that. Now, the one who's really having an issue <laughs> with having to build this government is really the one, honestly, the last person that you would think would be building a new government, and that's Han. <laughs> yeah. And what exactly are they having Han do? Well, they're using his past to, to help with the future, essentially. Right. So Han is actually at most Eisley. So, you know, again, he's weaving some of these um, familiar places and some of the nostalgia in. So Han is at most, so, so you got Luke and Leia on Coruscant, you know, dealing with stuff. You know, Leia's pregnant, Luke's dealing with his burden. Yeah. And Han is at, is on Tatooine mm-hmm. at Mos Eisley. And he is, he is a, an official for the New Republic. And what he's doing is he's talking to this guy named Dravis, one of his old smuggler buddies, right. saying, hey, we, you know, the New Republic wants to hire smugglers, get, getting them to do honest work to jumpstart trade. Right. And it's just like, and you can tell Han is like, oh, I hate I hate that I'm saying these this. words. <laughs> we also find another important thing that Han did. Now, in Return of the Jedi, Han is a general. What did he do to his generalship? 
Well, you, he he's referred. They keep referring to him as Captain Solo, right? And I remember. And Toby was like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! What?" No, he was a general. And then in this conversation, he's uh, this guy saying, "Hey, everybody's saying that you've gone like you know, you're married to you know somebody from you're married to Leia, and you're having twins, and you're like this old working stiff now, and you're a general." And he goes, "Well, actually, I gave up the general part." Yeah. So and that and that fits. Like, of course, Han was like, "I'm not going to be a general. It's fine. Like, that's too much pressure." So, I mean, we find out that he relinquished that responsibility. Yes. Yeah, he turned in his, you know... His, his he, general card. Yeah, he essentially just accepted it. You know, he turned in his general rank or whatever. You yeah. Know, accepted a demotion, you know. And, and, and that, that, that is, again... That fits. <laughs> again, that fits. Yeah. It fits that Han would be like, I don't want to be a general, you know. Well, Dravis is like, I'll think about it. His buddy's like, I'll think about it, you know. But he's lost street cred. Is the, is ultimately the takeaway is Han has lost street cred because he went mainstream. It's true. And another, another he funny went legit. Yeah, another funny thing about this too is that he brings as his backup guy in case something goes <laughs> wrong the worst possible person. And this actually is funny. Yeah. Han brings to to Mos Eisley the worst possible person to have as your backup man because he looks and acts and is 100% a Boy Scout, <laughs> even though he is an absolute person you don't want to mess with when he's in an X-Wing, and that's Wedge. Remember, Jeff? Like, <laughs> Dravis is like, hey, your backup guy is like, he is totally not... He's the worst. <laughs> he's the worst. Like, I can totally spot him from a mile off. And it's Wedge, of course, because Wedge just looks like... I mean, he's he, reporting for duty. Yeah, he's like, reporting for duty. I'm Wedge Antilles, even though... Look, look. Don't get me wrong. Wedge is an absolute like warrior, man. I mean, yeah, he is. of course, he doesn't mess around. So, so w- again, spot on with Han. Also on Tatooine is this guy named Talon Card, right? <laughs> well, and and he's interesting, right? Because Jeff, tell us about Talon Card because this guy's important because Han asks a very important question, and Talon Card is kind of the answer to that. Han says he asked Dravis, he goes. So yeah, we like blue Java to smithereens. Right. Who's Who, the new Who's the new big guy on Tatooine that's running his operation, right? I mean, Talon Card is basically like he's the he's a neutral character is how I would describe him, right? Sure. Like he's not a friend of the Empire, he's not a friend of the Republic either. He's very much like in the middle. He, he that's where he operates. And he's pretty much the new the new gangster in town, um, if I if, if I'm not you know mistaken like no totally and, but, he, and, and just as important as who he has with him as well, who he's got working for him, right? Mara Jade, yes, yes. <laughs> and we meet him after this whole thing with Han. Uh, he's courting for his second in command, not courting romantically, right? I'm sure maybe no. he's into her. I don't know. Uh, but he's <laughs> he's courting for his second command, the mysterious Mara Jade. We know that she's an attractive woman. She has red hair, and she harbors a mysterious hate for Luke Skywalker. Now I know we're going to find this out, and we're going to you know share. We'll this. get there. We'll get there, but that's what we know about her. But obviously, you know the way Timothy Zahn kind of like writes about her and stuff. It's clear that she's very important. She definitely has a significant role in this story. Oh, yeah. Now, Thrawn, when we get back to him, we get a little bit more of 
kind of what's going on in his mind as far as his plan right yes to bring down the republic cuz that that's what Thrawn's trying to do Thrawn's not just like hey um we're just going to make it out here on the fringes <laughs> right and 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 do No he's it. got plans No he's got plans he wants to topple you know he's still referring to now now this is interesting mm-hmm. uh, Thrawn always refers to them as the rebels right now, he's he's still he's still there. For him, it's like there's no new republic. Yeah, this he's is, still well rebels. because he's he's saying I'm not going to acknowledge them as a ruling power because as far as I'm concerned, they're not. So we we're about to go to two different places with Ron. The first place is this planet called Merker. And guys, I'm going to go ahead and say it. we're going to name the planet so we feel like we need to name. And some of them, I'm just going to say planet. <laughs> so they go to so many places, like Han. Like there's two I don't know how to say. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> which was funny. Yeah, as a couple, I was like, I don't know how to say that. I'm names. like, you know what? We're with you, Han. Han because these all are all consonants. Yeah. Okay, I can't Han, say this. Han is all of us, including Patrick Warburton. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, planet Merker is visited by Thrawn's ship, which is called the Chimera. It's a star destroyer, right? And they're there. To harvest an animal native to the planet. These lizard things called the Ysalamiri. Did I say that correct? I think so. I've oh, heard I it could not. Ysalamiri. Ysalamari. Salamari. Yeah, Ysalamari. Ysalamari. Sorry. It's, they're like a reptilian species. They're tree-dwelling. And this is where Talon Card is, by the way. He's not on Tatooine. Talon Card is on Merkur. He's running Jabba's business, but he's not... He didn't just like step into Jabba's palace, you know. Well, that's one thing that Han actually does point out. He says when he goes, when he when he's on Tatooine, when he notices, I'm not seeing the people, the kinds of people I used to see. Right. He does notice. Has this moved? Like, is yeah. this not here anymore? So it kind of so lends so, itself to that. Right. So Talon Card takes over takes over Jabba's crime syndicate, and then obviously moves the operation, or at least the seat of the operation, right. to this new planet, Merker, and. He sees, you know, because they have sensors and all that. They find out there's a ship here. I think it's the Chimera. He communicates with Captain Pelion. Yeah. Got Captain <laughs> Pelion back. And they're like, oh, we're just here to get, you know, we're just harvesting the these reptiles, you know, these these uh, Isalamari. Yeah. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, there is no way Grand Admiral Thrawn is just like, hey, let's pick up some lizards. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, there's got to be some catch, and Card knows that too. This guy's really smart. He sends a detachment to assist Thrawn in harvesting them. You know, he's like, "Oh, there's a certain way you have to get them off the trees because their claws are so long it like basically becomes part of the tree or something." Right. To investigate what he's really up to, and he's up to something that's for sure. Right. Right. Faux show. So here's the thing. So detachment is sent to assist Thrawn. Thrawn gets what he wants. He gets his Ysalamari. And then they travel to this other planet, and this is important. They go to this planet called Wayland. After some initial rocky diplomacy, if you want to call <laughs> yeah, it, the, right. the guys there try to kill him, you know? Yeah. They go into this mountain, like sanctum, like this tomb. They're in yeah. this mountain. And we meet the person that I never knew who this... Okay, so when I look at the cover of Air of the Empire, <laughs> you see this old dude. Jeff, you know what I'm talking about? He's, he's shooting stuff out of his fingers. Yeah, you know, like... <laughs> I was, and I just remember like, thinking. I always thought that was like Obi Wan. Like I thought it was some weird like cover art. Like I never like 
even bothered to like, know like what that was yeah. or like okay I was, I was like that's weird like why would they have him doing that yeah so if you see the cover of Air of the Empire and you see this old dude with like the robe and you know and lightning fingers lightning fingers uh, <laughs> this is who he meets this is who Thrawn and Captain Pelion they go to the surface of Waylon and they meet now by this point interestingly enough uh, Thrawn has around his neck, kind of like resting on his shoulders and around his neck, one of these Isalamaris. Yeah. Yes. And I'm kind of like, okay, he's walking around with a lizard on his. And I remember, you know, before I read before I read this, because uh, I have a Grand Admiral Thrawn figure. I didn't know that. I do have a Grand Admiral Thrawn That's figure. Very cool. And I just thought that he had this little pet. I just thought that was like one of his little pet lizards. Like, hello, whatever, <laughs> here, eat a cracker. Kind of like some villains have a cat and he's right. a lizard. I just thought, <laughs> it's yeah, it's one of his little things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got this thing on him. Gross. And they go into this mountain, and this is where they meet this old dude who shocks all of us when he straight up just throws like force lightning bolts. I know. I literally, when, when he started narrating, I was like, oh, whoa. Oh no! What is this? <laughs> right. We find out this guy obviously has force capabilities. In fact, he is a dark Jedi. Yes. And his name is Joris Sabaoth. Sabaoth. Yeah. He tries to kill Thrawn and Pelion with force lightning. He's unable to. And this is the bombshell. Those little lizards that Thrawn was harvesting, and now that he has one of them on his neck, they can repel the force. That's intense. That's intense. And I'm like, man. This guy, Thrawn, is like ahead of the game. Here, yeah, right? he's like, don't mess with him. Well, the reason why Thrawn is there is because that that mountain, and Jeff, you remember, this, this is basically like the Emperor's personal like locker room. <laughs> and they, there's there's technology there. There's Right. Because he's like, one, first off, first off, Thrawn, he knows who this guy is. And he's like, I need your help. I know you know the Force. I know you're a Jedi. And basically the reason why he was there was because he wants this Dark Jedi's help. Right. One. And two, he says there's a couple things that the Emperor had stored in this mountain, and I want them. Pieces of technology. And of course, this guy's not just going to be like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, take your pick. He goes, well, why should I help you? He basically convinces Sabaoth to help him because he says, well, you're a Jedi, right? You know there's... There's other Jedi, right? Basically, he's like, what? Yeah, because he was like, oh, there's no more Jedi. Not only. the last one. Right. Not only are there other Jedi, you know, there's these two, particularly. Yeah. And they're incredibly powerful. It's Luke and Leia. And then Leia has twins, and man, he's like. Yeah, that's the one that gets him. Is is Leia pregnant? That's kind of his. Because this, this harkens back to something I meant to mention earlier, and I forgot. But when Obi Wan is leaving Luke. Uh, he's he seems to have left. Luke is bemoaning his state, and he and he says, "I'm alone. I'm the last Jedi." And it's funny because Obi Wan's like, "Oh God, dang it!" Like he's like, he was like, "I was trying to leave, and I got to come back." He's like, "You're not the last. You're the you're the the first of the new." Yes. And I I've that felt like an important line, um, just because you know we we know the movies that came after too, um, but he said, "You're not the, you know the last you're, yeah you're the last of the old and the first of the new." So. For me, this part recalled that moment that Obi-Wan told him. Because Sabayoff was also like, I'm the last one. Right. And he's like, no, there's two. And he ultimately is wanting to make a new breed right. of 
dark Jedi. So Thrawn. So yeah. it kind of recalled that Obi Wan line, and you know what what some of the end game might be with him. Again, it's about harnessing their power, right? You know, mastering oh, them, harnessing their power, and he agrees to help Thrawn if Thrawn can deliver them, Luke and Leia, and the twins to yeah. him. And Thrawn says, "Sure, absolutely." You know, Thrawn. This is all part of his plan, right? Right. So Thrawn gets, and now one of the things that Thrawn wants, as far as the technology, is this cloaking device, right? Which is a, a cloaking device is something that can make a ship invisible to the naked eye, right? That makes sense that he would want that. and to sensors, like you know, you can't see them, and sensors can't pick them up. Uh, they're very prevalent in the Star Trek universe, yeah. And the other one, he's very, he's just like ah, oh, this other he's little cryptic about it, yeah, he's cryptic about it. So we don't quite know what that is yet, right? But either way, Sabaoth is now on board, right? And he goes with them. And we find out another very, very, very important thing about Joris Sabaoth. Mm-hmm. He's not the original Joris Sabaoth. Mm-hmm. We find out that he's a clone. So Jorah Sabaoth. what the heck? <laughs> so, so now we have cloning involved. Again, we're getting all this through Pelion. Yeah. And Pe- he's like, you We're know, reacting with Pelion pretty much. He's like, you, you know, basically Thrawn's like, you know, that's not the original one, right? He goes, well, how do you know that? He goes... There's no way. George Sabayal's dead. He goes, well, how do you know? He goes, I killed him. <laughs> Love it. I mean, oh. He blew up a ship with like a bunch of Jedi Masters back back like during the, the pre-Empire days. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It, it is, you know. So so Sabayal's on board, though, and he's a clone. That's just important. I, I feel like that's going to be obviously very key to, yeah. you know, what's happening here. And then we get back to the Republic. So, so now we see more of Thrawn's big plan. And then we get back to the Republic, and we get a star-studded meeting. We have Admiral Akbar, Mon- who he does a great job voicing. Right. It's so good. Sounds just like him. We have Mon Mothma. We have a Bothan named Borsk Fela, who's a real jerk. And ha- <laughs> Han doesn't like him at all. What? It, it, I mean, I liked that, right, Jeff? I mean, I liked how they they played this out because it's like none of these meetings go well. No, never. all they do is bicker, right? At these republics. Yeah, well, they're yeah they're trying to form a new government, and they're having a very hard time with it. Oh yeah, and I love the there. There's a there's a it's a trap joke. Even he even writes in, <laughs> and it's a trap joke, which I was like, that is brilliant for yeah. fans because he was like blah blah blah. It's probably going to be a trap. He's like probably because I'm involved, and I was like, oh my god, this yeah, he, is perfect. He puts everything into that Admiral Akbar. <laughs> he voice does. Yeah. Well. Again, a great part of the book, as Jeff said, showing that while our heroes were victorious in crippling the Empire, they faced great challenges in building a new government. And it's yes. not fun. This like isn't fun. This isn't exciting. This isn't the stuff that made them feel successful. No, not at all. Like Han feels completely stalled. Like Han like and, and, and it's constantly like, and he gritted his teeth and he you know Well and earned. Leia's not n- none none. Of our heroes are being fulfilled by no. this at all. They're Han- all like, I know I have to do it. I know it's important, mm-hmm. but my God, I would love to be doing something else. And it's interesting, too, because Mon Mothma plays a big role in this, and Leia and Mon Mothma kind of butt heads, you know? And, mm-hmm. it, and it's just like, it, it's like you would think that that, I guess idealistically, you wouldn't think that wouldn't happen, but it makes sense that these, right. that these two great minds. I love Mon Mothma. Oh, she's phenomenal. She's fantastic. She started the rebellion. I mean, this woman, who's going to argue with Mon Mothma? And I think Leia's yeah. almost like, oh my God, she started this thing. Yeah, she's almost like, not deity, but she's just like so high up there. Huh? 
Like Leia, Leia and her kind of. Yeah. Yes. Are like the the tomb. Yeah. Yeah, but I I think Mon Mothma was the one that was really like, hey, we're doing this thing. Yeah. Leia was really young. I mean, she's incredibly young, even in in A New Hope, and she was, you know. But of course, she was on board. But Mon Mothma, I think, was was in her political prime mm-hmm. when she broke and started the rebellion. And I just had to say that. And we, yeah. we talked at length about Mon Mothma last yeah, year. Yeah, I was going to say, we did like a big, we did like a video and a post all about Mon Mothma last year, just how, how cool she is. Because, and Jeff, you know, and I have no issue t- stopping and talk about her <laughs> because she, it's one of my favorite parts of Return of the Jedi is when she talks about the Death Star plans because it was the most convincing and emotional moment one of the most emotional moments really in the whole dang trilogy is when she talks about the boss. It's such a brief moment. Yeah. But she and the actress that portrayed her, it was so heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Like she was for real convincing. And then General Maidine comes up and goes, yeah, we're going to deactivate the shield and everything. <laughs> she just made an impression, right? Yeah. In the end, this, this whole meeting ends basically with Leia. We're going to send you to this planet called Bimasari <laughs> on a diplomatic mission. And Leia and Luke and Han and Chewie and the droids are going to go with you. It's going to be like a old well, like times, old times, yeah. Right, and go, they get to Bimis- let your hair down, <laughs> right? And they get to Bimasari, right? And this was really, really great the way this was described. You know, this, we're getting to a planet where, uh, and the whole purpose is we're, we're trying. They're, they're trying to get them on board. If I'm not correct, Jeff, it's, we're trying to get the Bimasari on board for the Republic. Essentially, yeah. Like I mean, uh, Leia and uh, everybody are sent on diplomatic missions to try to get different systems in the New Republic. You know, like they're trying to like form a big government and make a stronghold of it. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, and they get there, and the Bimisari are friendly, and you know, we have three PO who's doing the translations. You know, uh, interestingly enough, they get there and they're like, okay, Han can't bring his guns in. Uh, or his his blaster, which he has an issue with that. You know they don't they 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 don't know how they're going to be received. Right. Leia's like Han. It's cool. Just be cool. You know. Chewie decides he's not going to like Chewie's not. Now you think <laughs> Han's not having any of this diplomatic stuff. Chewie's not having any of it. Chewie's like I'm going to stay on the ship. <laughs> like forget y'all. Right. I can't, I can't even do this. Chewie stays on the ship while three PO and Leia and Luke and Han go into Bimasari. They go into the city the main city area and there's two main buildings there's the tower of law and there's this dome domed circular shaped area which which is open at the ceiling it's like an open whatever they call that it's it's a marketplace and the bim the bimisar which they call, they're called bims for short they start working on trying to separate han and luke from leia and threepio you know they're like hey you know Luke, Han, we we think you guys might like the Tower of Law. It's got all these artifacts and da da da. And Han's like, "No, yeah, I'm not leaving Leia." You know, basically, <laughs> they do manage to get Luke separate from them though, and, and because Leia's like, "Luke, what do you think?" And Luke, you know, he he reaches out with the Force. He's like, "I don't sense that the Bimisari mean us any harm." And he's technically right. The Bimisari don't. No, they don't. So they Luke goes into the Tower of Law and he's kind of walking around, you know, probably like what the heck, you know, whatever. And then we have Han and Leia walking around in this crowded marketplace, and suddenly, out of the woodwork, come these gray-skinned, like 
just you know the way they're they're described they're very menacing looking uh aliens and right. they they're not bims they're they're not bimasari they just kind of show up and they have these sticks called stokely sticks which is an interesting name but I know. I don't know what so means. they don't have guns they have these sticks and we're going to find out what they do and they're basically standing there and they're looking at Han and Leia and they're kind of closing in on them meanwhile luke is walking around this tower i guess looking at the art and stuff whatever <laughs> Who knows? And he hears Leia like, hey, we need help. And that's when Luke finds that the same group, you know, an, a, a group from uh, these, these same type the of... same race or whatever. The same type of aliens are closing in on him there. And they also had those these sticks. <laughs> and this is wonderful. And, and you know wh- why this is great? One, because th- they didn't do this right out the gate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've been waiting, you know, because of course, even though I appreciate that they waited to do this, you're still excited. Like, when are we going to see Luke do some stuff? Yeah. And this is where we see it. You know, Luke immediately, you know, these guys come after him and he snaps into action because he, he, in this tower, he's, he's alone with them. So they just go, right. they go right for him. He snaps into action, right? uses the force, he brings like this big drape down on him, and then he throws his lightsaber and uses the force to kill every one of them. <laughs> Just exactly, like, the kind of stuff yeah. you did, like, like I did that on like Super Empire Strikes Back on Super Nintendo. <laughs> you could throw his lightsaber and bring it back to him. Yeah, that's cool. You never saw him do that in the movies, right, Jeff? Not, not that I know. And here we are seeing <laughs> Luke doing this stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, this Luke, is what I'm here for. <laughs> this is what I'm here for. I I want to see Luke at his. You know what we saw, what the gift that the Mandalorian, you know, gave us. You know, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. We saw it with oh. our own eyes. We saw Luke in his prime. So we, we see it in Heir to the Empire in, in this chapter. Um, you know, so Luke is able to. I mean, they're dead. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he may, they're, he may, they're, they're gone. Once he's able to like, <laughs> once once he's able to like, basically gets into a room. He just gets set. And mm-hmm. and he makes quick work of them, and then he immediately gets over to the marketplace. The problem with the marketplace is it's crowded with Bimasari. Right. You know. Ultimately, Chewie comes and saves the day. Han is able to create a diversion. He acts like he ste- he, he basically grabs some <laughs> jewelry from a booth, and it causes a diversion, and it allows him to contact Chewie, and Chewie is able to pull them out of this thing. So there has been a a clear attempt to. To capture, to divide and conquer, <laughs> to divide and conquer, and get Luke and Leia. It, it, it seems like they were the targets. Oh yeah, right. As they're escaping, they get back on the Falcon, and Leia's like, "We need to get back down there. I want to go back on. You know, it, they were not the they weren't the Bims. You know, I want right. to. We still need to talk to them." Han's like, "We're going home. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> we're we, not going. Back this there, this whole woman. thing's blown. <laughs> it's canceled. Yes, it's canceled." <laughs> But this is cool because this is where Leia has the realization that she needs to learn how to use a lightsaber. And Luke's like, I will build one and I will train you with yeah, it. When and you're like, ready. When you're ready. And But Leia agrees that she's ready. She's ready to start learning how to use the weapon of a Jedi. And that's exciting too. <laughs> we find unsurprisingly that Thrawn was behind the attack on Luke and the gang. He is not happy with the result. But as Jeff said earlier, he is undeterred when he is met with, uns- with, with mm-hmm. any kind of... Um, Failure, you know, when something's unsuccessful. Sabaoth is impatient. Thrawn agrees to let him use the Force to connect with Leia. 
while he focuses on Luke. So Sabiel's like, you've got to let me try to use the Force in this situation. Thrawn's like, look, you go after Leia. She's, you know, she has the twins, and I will focus on trying to see what we can do about Luke. Captain Pelion has a good idea, and that's to get Luke's attention by starting rumors about Sabiath, a Jedi, in the in the Republic systems. And of course, Thrawn's continuing to work on to, to tinker with his little uh, the cloaking device right. and, and this mysterious technology he's got his hands on. And then, of course, back on Coruscant when they get home, the gang, Luke, Leia, and them, she debriefs her failed diplomatic mission, and Mon Mothma goes, "That's fine. We're just going to send you right back tomorrow." <laughs> God. Yeah, it, it's a mess. Meanwhile, Thrawn launches an attack on three systems. So now Thrawn's like, we're, we're going to do it again. And again, remember, like um, earlier in the book, it had mentioned like people are hearing about these mysterious attacks yeah. uh, in, in the Republic. And, and they know it's the Empire, but they, they can't figure out who's doing it, yeah, how it's it being done. But they know it's, it's whoever it is, they're good. Yeah. Well, Thrawn does it again. He launches an attack on three systems in the Republic. One's called Bifash. I, I cannot and believe it. This is the one that's two others I can't yes. name. Yeah. <laughs> and we see Neither where, can we. But this is, Jeff, where we see Sabioth is able to use the Force to, like, help with the assault. You know, he's like, he uses the Force to, like, direct the assault in a way. And Talon Card and Mara J watch the battle from a distance. They were going to make some kind of delivery or something, but they have to cancel because, you know, Card's like, look, the, the Republic's going to show up. Right. And, and like, clean this mess up. So we can't. Mar Jade, of course, is like, would Luke come? But, you know. She's yeah. Like, Not now, but she says soon, very soon, right? Yes. We're building all that tension. Then we get some Luke and Leia training, you know. Han interrupts, though, to tell them, like, hey, we've just had a major attack on three different, you know, a three pronged attack, essentially. And this is, uh, again, they still don't know this is Thrawn. Yeah. And now we're going to have another situation where our heroes are split up because Luke gets the call from the Force to return to Dagobah. Mm -hmm. With R2. With R2, just like old times. <laughs> Han, Lots of nostalgia. And this is where Han, Leia, Wedge, and the Rogue Squadron go to where the attacks took place. And they go to investigate on one of the planets. And this is, by this point, we know, because Thrawn was behind the attacks, we know the name of those, uh, that alien race. It's, they're called Nogri. Got it. Yep. Because, yeah, because Thrawn's bodyguard attendant yeah, is a Nogri. That's His right. Uh, is it Rook? Yes. Yeah, and they, they make a point to describe how unsettling and freaky he is as soon as we meet him. He basically does the so dirty work. it makes work, sense yeah. that... Yeah, that was back at the very beginning yeah. when, like, Pelion was, like, going into his, like, sanctum or whatever, and he, like, encountered Rook for the first time. Like, oh, what is... Yeah, right. he, like, comes out of the shadows. <laughs> yeah, like, he kind of just... It's like, it's not a great situation. Yeah, he just kind of lurks around yeah. Thrawn and... And he's and, like, I'm doing my job. Yeah, so. he, he just basically... And, and, like, they're not a known race. Like, Luke and... I mean, like, like Han and Leia, when they see them, like, what the crap is that Yeah, thing? yeah, exactly. Right. You know? <laughs> and, and, and there's a discussion about that when they're on Coruscant. They're like... Because my Mothma and them are like, who... What was the race? Because we need to see what the you know we need you know we likely have yeah, they're, they're, they don't have a record of it on Curse. right you know like they're like whoa what's what's this and it makes you wonder is there somebody on the inside of the Republic that's pulling a sabotage here so likely it's always you know because likely. even Luke says it's possible that this race was removed from the records 
but they're Ooh. called they're called Nogri. And they show up again. And this is the second attempt, Jeff, right? And, and what exactly right. do they attempt this time? This is the, the 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 part where you're talking about where like they're Han they're, and Leia's on the planet and Yeah. They get yeah. They and, and this is the part where like they 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 have them gun like like they're shooting at them. They're they're like they're undercover, right? And all of a sudden, like a freighter shows up, almost identical to the Millennium Falcon. It lands kind of like in between the gunfire, like like Leia and Han are like behind like some some kind of structure. They're they're, they're pinned down, and like okay, let's go. And Leia gets gets a force feeling of like no something's not right like don't move and han works it out on his own he's like why isn't because because he thinks okay chewy must have like figured it out but like why isn't he using like the 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 millennium falcons like you know weaponry the swivel yeah, cannon. yeah the swivel, swivel cannon. cannon you know why isn't he using that and 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 they're like whoa what the, what the crap is going on so like they kind of figure out, okay, this is this is a decoy. This is not the Millennium Falcon. This is another freighter. Um, yeah, the, the the bigger issue is that Le- Le- Leia doesn't sense Chewie's presence right. on board the Falcon. Right, and that's, that's dis- the tell. That's right, disturbing. that's her. Yeah. That it, it's kind of like it's what's awesome about the scene is like she's figured that out, and and then Han is so intuitive that he figures it out sort of on his own anyway. You know, yeah, it's more of the Nogri, though. Right. That that's who's on the this uh this fake Millennium Falcon. Right. Right. It's a second attempt, and, and this one was even more you know dastardly. These guys are going out of their way. I mean, from the perspective of Hanalea, it's like what is happening? They're coming with a fake Millennium Falcon to 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 get us. Right. You know, so somebody is after us. They don't want to kill us. They want us because right. They if, want to take us. Yeah, because they, it, they if they wanted to kill them, they they would have sent any ship to try to. Bombard them and kill them, but they're trying to get them on the ship. They try to get them on so they can take them, right? And again, we know it's no agree. We know we know this is Thrawn. Absolutely. They get back to Coruscant, and Han thinks Leia, you need to go into hiding. This is in response to a second attempt to kidnap her. Leia doesn't like this. They don't really know who to trust. And when <laughs> Han do- and when Han doesn't know who to trust, and there's nowhere to go, <laughs> who's there? Freaking Lando. Lando, right? <laughs> he decides to seek out Lando. He decides to seek out his old buddy, you know? And Lando comes through. And 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 for this episode of the Tape Store, as far as on Heir to the Empire, this is where we're going to leave them. But I do want to talk for a few minutes about Luke on Dagobah, right? Because we get a lot of, obviously, a, oh, lot, yeah, of, a lot of homages. A lot of homage, a lot of, you know, because he goes exactly where he was the first time, you know? So they, they basically get some information. It's sort of around the time that Order 66 was initiated that these dark Jedi were, like, spread out along the galaxy. And the system Dagobah was mentioned. And Luke is like, what the crap? You know, like, cause no one, and I didn't know this, but no one knows where Luke goes to train. Like, he, no one knew, like, where Luke was going. Oh. And he's like, I, uh, I need to go to Dagobah. You know, it's got to, like, uh, figure out what the crap is going on here. So, like, yeah, he, he goes and, you know, brings R2 just like old times. And, like, it's kind of sad because, like, Yoda's like little house is like all overgrown and like barely even recognizable. Aww. And he 
he, he goes to the, that cave where he encountered, you know, his evil self, his like his dark self, yes. or you know, yes. when he was described as Darth Vader in the in the in, in Empire Strikes Back, and he tells R two like, "Hey, can you like scan the area of any anything like electronic or like, you know, R two D two does discover." A device. Um, you know, at first I thought it was like, oh, is this like Yoda's like lightsaber? <laughs> I was like all excited because <laughs> like the way they described it. Um, do you want me to go into it at all? Like, or is that going to be more more like next week kind of thing? Uh, maybe more for next week. Well, what I wanted to focus on was the vision Luke had because just like when he saw like his evil self, you know, we all thought it was Darth Vader, right? And then he defeats it, and we find. Oh wait, twas Luke. Yeah, it's much deeper. This is a yeah. message for Luke. Yeah, that that if he doesn't, you know, if he continues down the path of fear and mm-hmm. and you know anger, that's he would end up like his father. Exactly, he would end up like Darth Vader, becoming Darth Vader. Of course, he hadn't found out at that point that Darth Vader was his father, but he would become that. But very similar to in Heir to the Empire, he has a vision of the battle where he destroys Jabba's sail barge right. you know when he was saving Han and and the droids and Leia and he sees in the vision Mara Jade we we find out right there that okay you know they're they have some some business we don't know what has happened that has Mara Jade so fixated on him but now the force is informing Luke about her right yeah and that's just interesting, right? There's not much we can talk about right now before giving too much away. <laughs> true. You know. That is true. Probably a good place to probably... <laughs> just, let's just it say up. it's significant. Yeah, we can say it's... Uh, <laughs> and we will continue on next week. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that pretty much is chapter 11. You know, Luke finds this piece of technology. Jeff dubs it the doodad. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we have, and, and now Luke has seen a vision of Marjade. While, when he was at that location of the cave, which is, again, strong in the dark side of the force, you know. So we still have quite a bit of story left, and we're going to save that for next week. So, guys, thank you for being here. Yes, thank you. Um, we are excited to continue on with our heroes. I'm really excited to talk more about Grand Admiral Thrawn. I'm excited to go into what this deal is with Mara Jade. And we are we are going to be here, same bat time, same bat channel, <laughs> even though it's not Batman. We're going to be back here. <laughs> Me, Brooke, and Jeff to talk and to finish up Air of the Empire, finish up Star Wars Month. Brooke, where can they find us? If you are on Instagram, uh, we'd love to connect with you there. That's kind of where we spend most of our time hanging out and talking to people. So if you're on there, we're at the Tape Store. We're also on TikTok by the same name. If you have Twitter, we are the Tape Store Pod. And if you'd like to shoot us an email, we'd love to hear from you. We're the Tape Store Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank our listeners for their time. Guys, we appreciate you. Um, your time is valuable. It's limited. Any time you spend with us, we appreciate it. Uh, we're happy to have you here. And if you have time, leave us a rating. That means the world to us. Other than that, let's close it down. And we'll see you next week as we finish Air to the Empire by Timothy Zahn, 1991. This is Toby. This is Brooke. And this is Jeff. Saying, may the force be with you.